Welcome to I'm Obsessed With This, the Netflix podcast about the shows and films viewers cannot get enough of, sort of like how British pedestrians cannot get enough judging hot stranger selfies on iPhones. And today I'm joined by co-host of Call Your Girlfriend and co-author of the forthcoming book, Big Friendship, Amina So. Hi, how are you? Oh my gosh. Hi, Bobby. Hi. You're also in New York, and I'm in New York, but you're in a different part of New York. Um, you know, the, the city can be big sometimes. I like when we have guests and we get them, sometimes it's like, oh, come into the studio with me, or we can book you a studio in LA or wherever you are. And then sometimes if they have done podcasts in the past, a lot of them will have microphones and they'll say, is it okay if I just record at home? It's always like, yes. Nothing's easier. Nothing is better than you recording at home on your own mic. Listen, I'm so this is luxury. happy. I'm so happy. I made myself like a luxurious lunch. I am literally like going back to bed after we finish this. Just, you know, the life of a podcaster. Blessed. <laughs> it's kind of nice. I'm in a dark bedroom. Just a little bit of light creeping through the windows. Drinking a glass of water. Not bad. I was. I had some spindrift earlier. Your favorite. Oh, or man. did you move on? Listen, it's not that I've moved on. It's just that I'm cheating on spindrift with this new water called Sanzo, where they're like Wait, Asian. It's like Asian inspired flavors. So there's a calamansi one. There is a lychee one, and there is a mango one. And honestly, you know me. I don't like love flavors and waters, but I'm like, if you're gonna, you know, do an ethnic twist on this, then I am here. <laughs> Um, none oh, of this, I've seen this. none of this. Is I've had on. the mango one. I've <laughs> uh, had the mango one. You should do the calamansi one. It's so good, and it's like perfect on its own. Good with a little, you know, tequila or whatever your thing is. Um, the first Asian-inspired sparkling water. Sanzo uses fruit, no added sugar, to deliver refreshing taste. I'm just okay. saying, Sanzo. Sanzo is, you know, it's the new statement water. You heard it here I'm first. Waiting. I'm scrolling down and it has like their Instagram grid on the bottom of the website. And I'm half expecting to find you like in a spawn in a park <laughs> holding up a can. No. <laughs> Hashtag <this> ad. <laughs> Before I call my girlfriend, I open up a can of Sanzo. <laughs> First of all, this is a labor of love. It's not spawn. That's how you know the love is real. And also like I'm pretty sure it's like a, you know, just like one you know, like very nice, uh, you know, like Asian son, like doing this. So Founder Sandro Rocco, a Queensboard Filipino-American, was walking through a popular Asian supermarket in Manhattan. This is his origin story. Yeah, it's just one dude. See, listen, um, thank you, uh, Sandro Rocco, for making my favorite water. <laughs> I hope he's listening. I hope he's listening. I'm going to um, I'm gonna spam their Instagram with this later. I'm going to be like, hi, listen to this Netflix podcast <laughs> brought to you by listen Sanzo. to this segment and go, can you cut all the Sanzo spawn? It sounds like you're doing a branded podcast that like for a different brand. Netflix, if you're listening to this, it's good business to support mom and pop businesses. Also, this is 100% not spawn. I really do like the water. And, and shout out to Calamansi. Netflix presents the Sanzo story is going to be now streaming on Netflix in August 2020. Okay, so like, <laughs> don't worry about. <laughs> <laughs> Calling my lawyer on the other line. <laughs> um, before we start talking about the the selection you made, your obsession, which is my hotter half, which honestly, <laughs> first of all, Bobby, it's hot a half. Please hot get, a half. A, get it. Get it right. Half. <laughs> what else have you been watching on Netflix that you've been loving? Um, um, movie show, whatever. Oh my Doc. god. So I am a total Netflix head. It's like where I get all of my, um, it's, listen, I'm not saying this because this is a Netflix podcast. I'm just saying that I have completely abdicated the responsibility of who picks what I watch for television. (laughs) 
you are a voracious consumer of all media like you're all you're, you read books you watch tv you listen to like every song you watch every movie it seems and like you know every meme oh my how god how do you find these things like it's i guess let's focus on netflix like how do you find these things like i have never seen my ha half served to <laughs> So I've been thinking very long and hard for why a half was served to me. And it's not like I watch so much Queer Eye that it, that, that was the natural, you know, it's just like, hi, you've seen Queer Eye? Here is, co- here is Costco Queer brand Eye. Queer Eye. <laughs> 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 like, that's not what it was. I truly, and I, this is like the computer people at Netflix, please call me. I think that what it is, is that like, I watch a lot of foreign stuff on Netflix. Like I've uh-huh. seen pretty much like every French movie that's on there. I will always like plug in like my favorite kind of like obscure actors and try to figure out like what they're up to. And they're usually like European or Israeli. Netflix mm-hmm. has like an incredible Israeli like catalog that everyone should be into. The French catalog is also legendary. Mm-hmm. And otherwise, the thing that I fall asleep to every night, this is so shameful. And I can't believe I'm about to say this out loud and has nothing to do with like French or Israeli cinema or whatever is uh, Netflix has every episode of Forensic Files. <laughs> and so they that's, do. Oh, that's my ASMR I fall asleep to. Like, I've watched so much Forensic Files, Bobby, that we're now in the seasons of Forensic Files where they catch the criminals because they try to perfect old Forensic Files episodes. <laughs> <laughs> like, that's what's happening. Can, can you guess, can you name the date Forensic Files premiered? Oh, man. I don't know. Like... Could be in the 90s, could be t- 2005. When did it premiere? 1996. Okay. that ma- Well, you know, that makes sense because one of the people that is constantly on Forensic Files, because he used to be like a prosecutor, I guess, in Texas, is a terrible congressman or ex-congressman, Trey Gowdy. He's in Trey so- Gowdy is on Forensic Files? Trey Gowdy has like, they could make like an entire just like vertical of Trey Gowdy Forensic Files episodes. He used to be like a Texas law guy. And a lot of forensic files happen in Texas. Wow. But so anyway, um, I fall asleep to forensic files all the time. Uh, and I'm not proud of it. But otherwise, like, what else do I like on Netflix? I'm a very... Do you dream about it? Like, do, does it does it infiltrate your dreams or, like, your nightmares, maybe? No, it's just, it's just like, the soothing voice. Like, the formula is so the same. And also, like, who cares? You know, they're never... <laughs> it's you, you don't need to be actually watching if you're listening. And there's something mm-hmm. so ASMR-y about that. Um, mm-hmm. Otherwise, like, I don't know. I, like, what else do I like on Netflix? Happy Valley Stan, for sure. Yeah. I um, I loved, um, what is that show called? The Mastermind Show. What is it actually called? Masterminds. What? Um, no. What's Mas- the, the Jonathan Groff one. What's that show called? Oh, Mindhunter. Sorry. I also liked Masterminds. Mind- <laughs> I like Masterminds. I also liked Mindhunter a lot. Uh, can you tell I don't pay attention? Um, and I don't know the documentary, the documentary like game on Netflix is great. So I think you can't go wrong. It's like, you can just like pursue one weird Avenue and then the algorithm, you know, probably Ted Sarandos at home, like texting the computer for you (laughs) figures it out. I haven't watched forensic files in so long since I had whatever it was on court TV. I don't have court TV anymore. Oh my God. I mean, I don't recommend it. I'm just saying if you were like a sick (laughs) per, if you were like a sick person like me, you should look into it. One show, though, that I will recommend, it's not a show, one movie that I will okay. recommend on Netflix, and uh, I should probably done today's episode about it, is this French movie called The African Doctor that mm-hmm. is very, 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 very ridiculous. 
and uh but is very sweet and i like that's my comfort movie that i watch all the time it's definitely like a movie for kids like it's not there's nothing like scintillating about it but it's very much it's a kind of like american movie genre that i didn't realize like existed in french like also this like very feel good kind of like family journey situation and mm-hmm. so that's why I like it. But also if you watch it, it'll serve you a lot of other very good French movies. The actress that's in that, Isa Maiga, is in another one of my favorite French Netflix movies called He Even Has Your Eyes about a black family that adopts a white baby. Um, okay. It's just, there's a lot of like French ridiculousness. So, you know, it's a... It's oh, a, and she's also in The Boy Who Harnessed the Wind, which I have seen. Oh, yeah. Okay. She's, I mean, she's literally the most famous French actress to me. I just, I don't know why uh, she's not on cover of every magazine over there because they're fools. When do you usually watch these things? Because as someone who whose job it is, I mean, it li- literally is your job as a as a podcaster, but not only like, you know, not to not to use the term, but like a cultural commentator, a cultural critic, which I think is, if not explicitly your job, at least part of your job. You're constantly having to consume things, read things, watch things. Do you put these sorts of like the different categories of media? Do you put them in different buckets with regards to your time? You said you watch Forensic Files at night. Like when do you read? When do you watch like sitcoms? Like do you give these things little buckets or do you just sort of do them spontaneously? Man, it's so funny. Until very recently, I felt a lot of shame about watching television in daytime hours Mm because that just felt it just felt like I was cheating on other work, you know? Mm-hmm. And you're right. Sometimes it is work. It's even if I had a screener for a thing that I have to review, I always, I was like, it's still, it's still light outside. I can't watch this. Right? <laughs> I can't watch this right now. Um, but I've really, I've really shaken that off. I think that now I just do very much, uh, you know, like body's choice. What do I, what do I want to be consuming? I do read throughout the day and I found mm-hmm. that just like watching TV um, really cuts into that. It makes me, I like to watch like sitcoms now early in the morning. That is, you know, I was like, instead of watching the news that always depresses me, you know how I'm like, I used to be addicted to MSNBC. And now I just go, well, you know what? Uh, I don't want to watch the news in the morning. And instead when I'm getting ready or if I just have like a pretty chill day, I will turn on something delightful to watch in the morning. And that has really it's really kind of turned my day around. But it changes I think, your mood for the entire day. Yeah. yeah. But I still think that I do the bulk of my, um, you know, like viewing uh, later in the day, just because I like to have uninterrupted blocks of, um, of time to do other kinds of work. And when is the best time of the day as an expert to watch my whole half? Oh my God. Hot half. Hot <laughs> half is really, wow, 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 wow. I will say that I discovered it on a weekend. It was like a mindless weekend. Like I had done all my chores. I was kind of bored. I was zapping through the, you know, the smart TV. What can I watch? And I got sucked in and watched like probably 13 episodes in a row. Just like mindless stuff. But truly, anytime Ha-Ha finds you is a good time to watch it. This is the show where you face off against your partner. Who do you think is going to win? Me. To find out who people think is hotter. <laughs> wow. You're the hot half. <laughs> My selfie mirror takes the snaps. We show them to Britain's single online daters. I would definitely go on a date with this guy. Oh. No. And I'm the lucky one who gets to give them the results. Sheesh. Yes. I would definitely go on a date with her. No. <laughs> oh, and one more thing. The loser gets a full fashion remix. 
and then another shot at levelling the score. This transformation is blowing my mind. Think of it as a public service. You look hot! Because no one wants to be punching, right? Strikers are blue steel, mate. Open! Welcome to my heart half. What's funny is that you said, I want to do hotter half, and its title is so explicit that you're sort of shocked that it is such, it's as high concept and as easy to explain as it is. It's couples, whether they're friends, whether they are actual like romantic partners, they go to this guy, Melvin. Isn't his name Melvin? Yes, his name they is Melvin. Melvin. He's a British, he's a British <laughs> Ghanaian comedian. He's amazing. British Ghanaian comedian Melvin introduces himself to a couple. They each take selfies. God knows what team goes out onto the streets of London, I presume it's London, and asks strangers to, and how do you think they do this? They ask strangers to uh, answer the question of, is this person hot? And I actually think it's sort of brilliant. It's 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 a less controversial, less shamey question than like, is this person hot? It's, would you go on a date with this person? Which I think is a little more relatable and a little less icy. It, it stings maybe a little less than something that more directly comments on their looks. Well, Bobby, even the way that you're explaining this is giving this show a little too much credit. <laughs> because... I love that you said that you were like, this is high concept. And the first thing that I thought when I saw this show, I was like, this is demented. (laughs) Couples, people in couples, first of all, I cannot relate. But people in couples are wild. Never in my life would I want to know what strangers in Britain think about my looks. Ever. Never. Never, never, never. But this is what is so... I think two things about this show, like initially, is that this is a show that is only possible not inside America because the idea of half U.S. is like I can't even begin to fathom it. It's the it's the 30 Rock joke where like they would go into production and 10 minutes in someone would scream, shut it down. We cannot do this anymore. The comments we are getting are too dark. This is so (laughs) nasty and terrible. Just everyone get their day rate. Take whatever you want from craft services. Let's get the fuck out of this. Wild. But also, so the other thing that is going on, though, to me is this this thing that I think we all we all know and understand to be true, at least of other people's couples, not in our Mm -hmm. own relationships, is that there's just this idea that one person is is uh, is like slumming it and the other person is punching above their weight. We never Mm -hmm. just believe that, you know, it's like fours meet fours and tens meet tens it's like no 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 there always has to be a serious imbalance there's a seven and a three particularly in heterosexual relationships there's always Mm -hmm. like something is not working there but the idea to me that a couple would volunteer for this of like oh which one of us is hotter is so demented i was like how is this good for your relationship how is this good for your own (laughs) mental health and but at but at its core reality tv really is about humiliation and i was like okay great Mm -hmm. like people who want to humiliate themselves go on this but the thing that i didn't anticipate about the show is that it would make me feel so good about myself because you just watch people do insane things one after the other. Demented expands beyond just the contestants, but also the people on the street. Because if I were given a photo of someone and asked, would I date this person? And then like, not only to answer yes or no, because that's a yes or no question, 
but like they're obviously like asking them to to elaborate and it's like no 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 explain what you like or don't like about their looks i would get so uncomfortable and i wouldn't continue so like the people who are on the street are as demented as the people who are in the studio but in this regard it's just like uh swiping right or left on tinder because you mm-hmm. are making a judgment call on someone based on a selfie, which also I want to be clear that whatever they're calling a selfie. a selfie on the show is not a selfie. People stand yeah. in front of this thing called the mirror me mirror or something weird like that. And the mirror takes a photo of them. So it's not front facing camera, but whatever England will let it slide. <laughs> but <laughs> I think that's selfies al- are never full body. <laughs> no right. one has arms that long. Nobody. But also like the commentary is always exactly what you expect that it'll be where women are, you know, know again like to be very heteronormative about it with the with the hetero couples at least women will be very uh you know generally like more forgiving about things or they will comment mm-hmm. on like attitudes or they're like uh oi no not this guy he looks like a player <laughs> you know and then or the men lad. <laughs> and the men will say things also where you roll your eyes where when there when there was like a black woman contestant for example everybody like decided that she was sassy even though there was nothing sassy about her pose and i was like great like societal expectations just like foisted on a picture of a you know like unsuspecting stranger and so that also i find really interesting where it's like oh yeah Everybody is just saying the quiet thing out loud here. And so it's everything that you suspect it'll be. There was a guy who mentioned like the weirdest, most specific, pettiest critique. He was like, I wouldn't date her. I don't like her red... He didn't call it lipstick. He called it lippy. I don't like her red (laughs) lippy. I don't like when women wear red lippy. And I was like, what? (laughs) I mean, but how how is this different from, again, like, you know, tindering, right? And so... it is. It's that, but also the psychology of the people who do this. I think that every once in a while, you you do get to a little bit of a root cause of an insecurity. There was one couple I remember seeing where usually I'm just like, okay, you know, people are complicated and meet each other. And mm-hmm. then there was one couple where, like, one person was clearly the hot half. And I was like, how does the not hot half think that they're competing <laughs> in hot half? This is, this is nuts. And then, like, there's the makeover portion is very, you know, it's like if Queer Eye is all about, like, breaking down your defense mechanisms or whatever, mm-hmm. these guys just look like hipster bartenders who are trying to help you get a drink somewhere. <laughs> Every time one of them says, I'm a hairstylist, I'm a beauty person, I'm like, please, I need to see your portfolio because I'm not convinced you did this before getting cast on this show. Bobby, the makeovers are so bad. First of all... They make all the men look like the final boss at Topshop, Top Man. <laughs> yes. That's that's what's going on. Or here. at Stumptown Coffee, absolutely. Like they're about to make you a latte or a flat white. Oh, flat white is what they're about to make you. How is it possible to be made over on television and you look worse than you came in? That happens over and it's over again. I was wild. I was going to mention this to you, um, and I think the comparison to Queer Eye is really funny because Queer Eye whether you like it or not i mean they they try to make structural changes and i think even tan when he approaches wardrobe i get let's just specifically talk about tan when he approaches wardrobe he like gets into their body issues gets into like body shape and he's like this is what you should do to your entire wardrobe to maybe start dressing in ways that are more flattering to you and sort of release the the parts of your personality and 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 physicality that you should show off but in this one, it's like, I'm literally going to give you one night out outfit for like a club that isn't even good <laughs> based on exclusive what I have on this rack. Like there, everyone seems to be like working with a very limited amount of 
construction materials. You know? That's the entirety like, of Europe, Bobby. That's literally why they're Brexiting. <laughs> they don't have anything over there. But at the same time, I watched so many episodes of this. It is, like you said, it's 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 not necessarily comforting, but it's hypnotic. Because you, in every episode, you are in this pers- like consistent state of disbelief that anyone involved is participating. Maybe the only person who I understand is Melvin. Like, oh. I get why Melvin's there. <laughs> Melvin got a good check. It's a quick gig. He doesn't really have to prepare. Everyone else, I'm like, why did you sign on the dotted line? Why did you sign the release? Bobby, I'm not even convinced about Melvin's check because if you notice, he's wearing the same outfit like throughout multiple episodes. So you Melvin. know that they're all shooting on the same day. I'm like, this is episode nine. You're still wearing this <laughs> denim shirt? What's happening here? What was an episode where you were watching through your fingers sort of disturbed by what was happening on screen? Wow, there was definitely the Ed Sheeran lookalike episode. You know who I'm talking oh, about? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yes, yes. Oh. There, was, there was that guy. There was, you know, I think probably the episode, though, was very early on for me that had me dying was, I mean, the first one is wild. But there's an episode where there was um, a black woman and a white redhead, like, interracial couple. And yep. the reason that I was cringing is because... I have actually encountered them on YouTube, another platform. (laughs) And so I was like, oh, I've watched your vlogs before. What are you people doing here? And it felt like this very much, I don't like it when my people platform jump. I was like, this is a couple I know on YouTube. I don't talk to anyone about watching their weird vlog of their relationship. Was it the the redhead with like the Viking beard? Yes, the Viking man who they made look like a barista. Oh my God, Bobby, they're YouTubers. With a sort of indiscernible accent or either either he had a weird indiscernible accent or he just didn't speak loudly. I was like, I can't understand what you're saying. He's he's Scandinavian of some sort. So he's also not British and she's from the Gambia maybe. And they live in London and they have this like very, uh, I'm exposing myself on so many levels today, but they have this like very uh, weird YouTube uh, vlog that they do. That's very much in the genre of, uh, there are a lot of these like interracial, like black woman, white man relationship vlogs. And for research purposes, I've been looking into all of them. Mm -hmm. Um, And now it's not research. It's a full on, like what is wrong with these people? (laughs) But anyway, you can't click unsubscribe. Right. You can't. But so when I saw them on the show, I was like my I felt like I had been exposed and I have nothing to do with any of this. I was like, (laughs) no, they're being exposed to more people. And but I think that also that was the one where I was really like, wow, what is this makeover team doing? You know, because they he looks so bad in the second in in the makeover outfit that they gave him. They made him look like a someone who works at one of these like fancy cocktail bars that's actually not good Mm -hmm. the thing i think about the show too that is just the thing that i keep watching for all the time is that in my mind i'm always like what does the american version of the show look like Mm -hmm. and the american version of the show is two intensely hot people like american television hot which is Mm -hmm. unattainable for everyone at home or is like one very hot person and one like very homely person and they're you know like the contrast is so stark and there is nothing kind about it there is nothing there's nothing aspirational about it it just makes Mm -hmm. you feel bad and this show is not a it's not great but there's nothing about it that you feel reflects on you as a viewer you're just like okay my life my life is going just fine i'm not on a tv show humiliating myself right now Do you think there is a way to make a show about physical appearance that isn't like this, that is somehow helpful or 
can inspire growth in someone. Um, maybe not counting Queer Eye because I think that's m- the main example, but that's a little bigger. Like, is there a way to do a show about hotness that isn't cringeworthy? I think that not tying it to relationship status is definitely one way to do that because I think that people being so aware of what they look like because of this like weird circumstance is not great. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I also think that you the only way to do that is also to have people actually open up about what it is that they think about themselves, which never yeah. happens on hot half. People, you know, they're just, it's just like truly a competition of I'm the hottest person in this couple. I'm like, "Mm, are you sure about that? (laughs) Uh, You're like, who knows? Uh, So I don't know. But I I do think that, you know, it's obviously like very important to interrogate beauty ideals and to interrogate your own, um, how you feel about yourself, like relative to, you know, like all of this other messaging that you're getting. Mm -hmm. And it's definitely not going to happen in a competition show. (laughs) And it's also not going to happen in a show that has a makeover component because, you know, it's like, what are you saying? Is it that you are supposed to accept what you look? Are you trying to change what you look like? Are you, um, you know, like, do you just need a haircut or is it like a deeper intervention than that? And so I just always find that in a lot of these shows, we don't actually talk fully about body acceptance and we don't talk about insecurity in a way that is constructive yeah there was a there was an episode where one woman who was the the least hot half went in and she said that she felt comfortable in all black she only wanted to wear all black and i feel like in a better show or a show that wasn't this show because i think this concept is sort of incapable of being better than it is which is to say it's an amazing show but you know like a thoughtful show instead of doing something where it's like well have you ever thought about why you only wear all black what is it about your body that are you hiding something by wearing all black like what is it that led you to only dress in black they just said why not throw in some color you should wear yellow and so they just put her <laughs> they just put her in a yellow jacket like a hype beast jacket and blue jeans and were like go out on the town and people liked it more and there was really no commentary on what that says about her what that says about culture and like there was no what I also appreciated is that there's never really any promise that they're going to continue doing this you know because sometimes when you watch Queer Eye someone will say yeah okay okay great bye like tan leaves and you find yourself wondering like how long are they going to maintain this new stylistic choice um, that has been given to them and sometimes you kind of expect them to but in this one not once did I ever think they were going to continue wearing the way they were styled You know, one show that actually tackled a lot of this very well and I think um, did a really good job at talking a lot about fashion challenges, but really it Mm. was about this, you know, like beauty and fashion and your place in the world was actually what not to wear. I knew you were going to say that. (laughs) What not to wear is great, Bobby. Yeah, it it is. I think so much about how like I grew up watching that show and I cannot think of one episode where they made someone feel bad or they made people at home feel badly or it was you have to lose weight or you have to you know the the intervention was always Mm -hmm. dress for the body that you have yeah there was never an inkling of maybe if you did your hair differently or if you did this or this or this they were just always very helpful suggestions to live in the body that you had and I think that it was it was important that they came from actual fashion experts, right. but also 
Um, I don't know. I just think that a show, I'm really surprised that a show like that is not um, being revisited in this moment where we revisit, you know, there's so many reboots or people are just like dumping catalogs of old shows. I'm like, that show actually iconic. Yeah, it seems like a very like, like Tan spinoff, you know, if Tan just did one thing, I think, I mean, I think that could be said about any of the Queer Eye people where their shows could work on their own. Like, you know, Extreme Makeover, Bobby Edition, just Tan, like getting Tan with Tan France, you know, it, all yeah. these things are, are capable, but I, and, and yeah, that's a good distinction because this one, they're not dressing for the body you have. They're not dressing for like what makes you happy, what makes you comfortable. They're dressing for the crowd. They're not, and not just any crowd, the type of person who would be happy to critique a stranger on the street in front of a camera, ah! which is such a specific type of person, you know, like you're not just dressing for anyone. You're dressing for the most judgmental millennial in all of London town, you know? <laughs> Please call it London Town all the time. <laughs> London Town. <laughs> London Town. Has anyone ever told you, like, you shouldn't wear blue? Like, this isn't your color, like, unsolicited? Bobby, I'm a fat woman. People <laughs> give me unsolicited fashion advice all the time. What's, the gag- what's something you get all the time? Um, All the time. It's So I like to wear a lot of crop tops, and people do not like seeing a fat belly. So I will literally have people pull my shirt down because they think that I'm just, like, poo-bearing it. They like they don't understand that it's a fashion choice. You're like no, <laughs> yeah, I'm like it's this not going to not... go anywhere if you pull. <laughs> yeah, this is not Winnie the Pooh. Like I know what I'm doing. You know <laughs> what I mean, like I'm not Pooh Baron out here, and so like that's the thing. I get a lot of commentary on the um the because I wear a lot of prints and very mm-hmm. just like bold. I like to like pattern clash. Yeah, and so. The, the perennial advice around that was always like, you know, like fat girls shouldn't wear stripes. I'm like, bitch, try me. <laughs> and I find and I also like find that very interesting because they're like the people just feel OK stepping up to you, saying things that they would never say to anyone else. Mm-hmm. And the problem is that one, I don't care. And two, I like clap back pretty strongly. So, oh, yeah, you know, I'm always like, wow, congratulations. You play to yourself. You talking to the <laughs> wrong person on the street. But it, yeah, I think that when I was younger, there were definitely moments where it was very jarring to me. And now it's mostly annoying slash amusing. It like falls more in that category. Mm-hmm. But I also think that a lifetime of, you know, having to deal with that and healthy dose of a watching like what not to wear and uh you know reading like good feminist text is genuinely is like generally made me immune to a lot of that but mm-hmm. it's something that i still think about constantly yeah and yet you can still find enjoyment in something like this but like you said a lot of that enjoyment stems from the fact that you're not involved you're just like thank god i'm not involved i can watch this train wreck from like miles and miles and miles away 100% I just I think it's a good uh, it's a good TV show for the political moment that we're in you're just like okay like the world is fully trash but there are some train wrecks that just do not involve me <laughs> and uh, I I don't know it just it watching that show every time I look around my own life I just find one more thing to be thankful about I'm like okay great <laughs> like, you know what I mean like my my life is not uh charmed but also I'm not on a television show with my partner uh begging for the British crowd of people who are not hot themselves <laughs> judging what I look like that is I think one of my favorite parts of the show when it shows the reactions of the contestants to <laughs> the reactions of the pedestrians and often that reaction is well I wouldn't go out with him either so yeah like, spider-man spider-man pointing at spider-man <laughs> 
Thank you. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> it's that true. is the best segment. It's true, but, but also just this idea that um, I get it right that you are you're supposed to be attracted to someone, but just the idea that attraction is physical only. I was like, even for the most like oafish of men, I'm like, are we are we really doing this? Is this a message that we were like believing in mass? This is so stupid. I have a oh god, I wrote down this note while I was I think this is from the, maybe the third or the fourth episode, but the thought of someone saying this to me. If I were on stage at, you know, my ha half in, you know, the back alley behind a better studio where they filmed this, <laughs> the first thing that someone said to one of the contestants, I think it was a woman, walks up there and then the makeup person just says, well, we haven't got loads of work to do on your face. I was like, I, <laughs> if that's the first piece of commentary, when someone looks at my whole body, when someone looks at my whole body head to toe, close to face, to makeup, to everything, and just says, well, we haven't got loads of work to do on your face. I'd find the release form and rip it up. I would definitely <laughs> do the sign of the cross and go, thank God. <laughs> we haven't got loads of work to do on your face. Before we end this, I want to play a dumb game with you. It's called Ha Half. Yes. A rapid fire examination of iconic couples in history and culture, mostly very recent history. And you just got to tell me, gut decision, <gasps> which one's the ha half oh no i'm scared now okay some are fictional okay. some are real some are just friends some are romantic some are mother and daughter you know oh my gosh oh my gosh okay okay okay, okay. i'm gonna start I'm with kind of a deep breath let's do I'm it start with kind of easy quick top level relationships first okay tell me beyonce and jay-z oh beyonce okay ben and jennifer 1.0 Oh, I was like, who's Ben and Jennifer? Um, Wait, who's 1.0 Jennifer? Ben Affleck, Jennifer Lopez. Okay, Jennifer Lopez. Got it. Ben Affleck. Okay, great, great, great. Sorry, people are going to be mad at me for that one, but sorry. Chrissy and John. Ooh, Chrissy. Chrissy, okay. Kim and Kanye. Ugh. I plead the fifth. <laughs> Chris and Corey. <laughs> <laughs> Chris. Okay. Um, oh, here we go. Winona Judd and Naomi Judd. Oh, wow. Why the you break my heart? Winona. Okay. Simon and Garfunkel. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Natsu has logged out of the chat. <laughs> well, you know, Paul Simon, even though he loves to appropriate, let's go there. He does. I was listening to Graceland recently and I was like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay sir um okay. speaking of music iman and david bowie Ooh, that one is tough but i will say they're very hot but i'll say iman okay um fictional jerry and elaine i thought you were gonna say tom and jerry and i was like <laughs> bobby <laughs> <laughs> elaine i almost put bert and ernie and i was like i don't want to go there okay um <laughs> rachel <laughs> and ross Ugh, rachel isn't that disgusting chandler and joey Damn. Okay. Amina a long time ago would have said Chandler, but mm -hmm. Amina today is saying Joey. Okay. I think I agree with that. Jim and Pam. Ugh. I guess Jim. <laughs> okay. Well, uh, a couple more, a couple more fictional people. Mulder and Scully. <laughs> Scully. I think so too. Um, Thelma and Louise. Damn. Louise. 
I think so too. Yeah, I think we're all we're all we're on the same page on all of these things. Wow, Bobby, okay. we're attracted to the same people, <laughs> which really tracks with you and me. You know how you know this problem, right? Okay, how about this? Brad and Claire from Bon Appetit. Damn. Okay. Oh, this Chris is... and Claire. Chris and Claire. Chris and Claire. Claire. Okay. Okay, that's easy. Yoko and John. Ugh, neither of them, but Yoko, I guess. <laughs> Jada and Will. Damn, Jada. Sunny and Cher. <laughs> Cher. Goldie and Kurt. Damn. I should say Goldie, but I'm going to say Kurt. <sighs> That's tough. Maybe I agree. I don't want to say what I think, but I know wow. it's Kurt. Brad and Angie. Brad. Brad and Jennifer Aniston. Brad. Lenny Kravitz and Lisa Bonet. Damn, that's not even her hottest, like, <laughs> dude. Um, you know, I'm going to say Lisa Bonet. Okay. Um, Courtney B. Vance and Angela Bassett. Damn, that's for tough. 100 years. That's tough. That's tough. That's a tie. Angela. Angela. We're leaning Angela. Okay. Two left. Barack and Michelle. Oh, Michelle, please. <laughs> And then finally, Megan and Harry. <laughs> <laughs> no, before we get to Megan and Harry, Kate and Will. Start with Kate and Will. Kate. Okay, Megan and Harry. That's literally the plot of Hot Half. <laughs> it's <laughs> Megan and Harry. Uh, <laughs> Megan. <laughs> that should be an episode of Hot Half. There you go. <laughs> Oh, my God. It would put them into a crisis. The whole country would just collapse if they went on hot half. I mean, they should, they're they literally on hot or half right now, and <laughs> the public is choosing the wrong person. So there you go. <laughs> but that is, again, a perfect episode of hot half. They always choose the wrong person. Right, I would say it, 75% of the time they choose the wrong person, but you know they're going to choose the wrong person. 100%. But also, Meg and Harry going on hot half is literally this dynamic that I'm talking about where I'm like, hello, you are dating a smoke show, okay? Like, there How is. dare you make us choose? This should right. be obvious to everyone with eyes. This, like, I'm like, you're, you are not the hottest person in your relationship. And if you don't know that, you need to get out of this relationship. <laughs> And that's a great way to end the episode. So thank you, Amina, <laughs> for coming on the show. This was so much fun to talk about. Everyone should be watching My Ha Half on Netflix right now. There's 6 billion episodes. No, I think there's maybe 20. 20. I'm sure it's coming back. How could it not? All episodes are streaming now. You can buy Amina's forthcoming book, what, in 2021? 2020? Oh, my God. In 2030. Just kidding. You can go to bigfriendship.com and find out more about it. Don't forget to drink Sanzo water. and uh... Drink Sanzo and subscribe to Call Your Girlfriend wherever you get your podcasts. In the same place that you subscribe to this podcast. And Netflix, please make the Sanzo story before the fourth quarter of next year because everyone needs it. Thanks for Um, listening. Bye. Thanks for being my half, Bobby. (laughs) 